All right, all right, all right. And you know what? Before I, I even, um, I want to do a wine acknowledgement, if that's okay. Um, because um, it, I just made it up just now. It's okay. a wine acknowledgement. So I know that you're supposed to be classy or whatever that means, but like you're talking to the wrong person for all of that. And you're supposed to be like, oh, if you drink white wine, it's supposed to be chilled. My version of chilling white wine is putting four ice cubes in it. And and that's just kind of how it would be, okay? So welcome everybody. This is episode 2000, uh, episode number 27 of the full set. I don't know what I'm doing here anymore on earth, okay? This is astronomical. This is the full set. I'm Didi Delgado and I am here with my esteemed colleague. Can I say okay. it again? I've been Can waiting for so long to hear that. <laughs> I just want to say it again. I'm, I'm just here with my esteemed colleague, Lawrence Bariner. The second is a story. Oh, shit. I'm a cunt because I definitely put the third and I meant to say the second. What was I doing? You said the second. It's right. No, I said the second. But in your bio, oh, I you copied. Wrote I wrote the third. Like, I just rewrote your name. So we're going to do that again. Okay. Great. You ready? All I'm right. Ready. Boom. So my name is Didi Delgado. This shit doesn't get edited, so it's not even important. But my, <laughs> this is real. This is the full set. My name is Didi Delgado. I am your host and producer of the Full Set Podcast. I am sitting here with none other than one of my esteemed colleagues, Lawrence Bariner II. Lawrence, how you doing, baby? I'm hot. It's definitely, the temperature definitely stepped up today. It's too much. I and mean, I'm, I'm happy it. for it, but I'm not, I wasn't here for it before. I'm here for the vitamin D. That's what I'm here for. When you say vitamin D, I am triggered because I need some. And there's that. Okay. I'm going to read your bio. I'm going to read your bio. Go, 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 go. So Lawrence Bariner II is a storyteller, a narrative strategist. We're going to get into that. A writer, a liberation worker who values love, justice, community, and transformation. His paid work includes coaching, facilitation, you better flip them fucking dreads, and serving as the network engagement manager at the Center for Story-Based Strategy. His unpaid work includes visionary fiction writing, revolutionary or evolutionary, we don't know yet, or both, uncling, community-focused healing work, and in imagining, practicing, embodying post-patriarchal futures. Lawrence is the board president of Resist, where I met you for the first time, yeah. makes a lot of bread and meditated. I thought this shit said medicated, Well, you probably did that too for 162 hours in 2019. That's a lot of meditation, boom. Uh, Lawrence lives on occupied Massachusetts and Wampanoag territory, often known as Boston. And if you want, we could do a land acknowledgement since I did a wine acknowledgement. I don't, I mean, it's whatever you wanna do. Great. Okay, welcome boom. You Thank doing? you. Yeah, you I feel I feel so excited to be here. I've been watching, listening to previous How episodes. You watching? Nobody watches me. It's so weird. That is definitely not true. <laughs> really? Yes. Which one was your favorite then? Tell me. And then, and then we're going to make this one your favorite. My favorite? Uh, I mean, were I you love, really watching? I love tease because I feel like T's episode, I had, it was like the highest ratio of shit I don't know per minute. Mm. <laughs> Just like, I can't. I'm tagging, I'm tagging T. 
I'm so you were like this is this is so meta right? it's like I need several decades to catch up and then I was like oh wait I don't have to catch up tea is already there it's not a competition anyways so that episode was really powerful um look at you out here documenting the document I, yo <laughs> and I'm I'm like halfway through um Dr. Sammy Schalk's episode okay um and I'm really into that one I feel like the the conversation y'all had was just like so it like flowed in the way that I think I see her research flow mm. let me tag Sammy because y'all <laughs> out here shot 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 shots okay um, also don't ask me on screen about my least favorite episode because what can you tell me which which one it was though I can tell you later <laughs> oh shit I definitely want to know now. Okay, all right. I love when people spill the tea and it was like, no, I'm gonna keep the bag in the cup though. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway. I'm so excited because we've been fucking around because it's a pandemic and we did not plan anything that we're gonna speak about today. We actually just powwow together. So if y'all mad that I was late yet again, oh well, we're providing quality content free. So there's right. that. Yes. Uh, can I can I offer a little reframe? Oh, okay. We <laughs> see my face. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have to plan because we are being present. We don't need to plan when we are just here with each other, being with what is here. The planning is like you can make a, a, a cute plan, and then most of the time we show up to stuff and like the plan goes out the window anyways. So I would like to say we did what we need to do in that other time and then we're showing up here and we're doing the thing. Also, Adrian Marie Brown says all the time, less prep, more presence. Mm. I'm on that point. Anyway. I've been trying to get Adrian on the show. And so the fact that y'all keep quoting her and I keep quoting her, I'm gonna need for her to enjoy her sabbatical thoroughly because I would love for her as soon as she comes out to come sit with me so we could chat about all the things. She'll be here, I promise. I feel it, I feel it. This is my eyebrow feeling it. You see it, itch. I'm like, come on girl. So, (laughs) So I wanna thank you for that reframing because I think that's what I was kind of alluding to, but like you say it like with more words and like more meaning than I do. I when I say that it's like, I had so much anxiety. I think every show, actually, I have a lot of anxiety about connecting with y'all niggas, even though I love each and every one of you for many different things and for less things that I don't know that I love you yet for, because we're still all getting to know one another. And I just had anxiety because I'm like, single parent, um, I don't get any help on Fridays, which I'm not upset about. I chose to be a single parent, but I don't get any help on Fridays. And so, but I still feel it's necessary to do the show because I need it too. It's so if I need it, I feel like somebody else needs it. And um, so Egypt was just being a three-year-old today and mommy, mommy, it's time to clean up my room. And I'm like, no, no, baby, it's time to go to bed. Okay, we can clean the room tomorrow. So it's just like a lot of that and like having to reframe and not get upset because I'm on a time schedule and Egypt's time schedule is just they own. So I just appreciate like you reframing it and saying that the space that we're about to occupy, the space that we're present in now, that, that also belongs to us. And the curation is going to be just as marvelous 
as if we would have planned it and had an agenda. Listen, come on, you better bring out that pointer pen. Like, hey. <laughs> Yo, cheers. I'm so happy to hear. Oh, wait, I'm going to do it intentionally now. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I want to talk to you about all the things and then also afraid to get deep into the work. But I want to ask you about you. We're here to discuss us yep. together, community, love. Um, but what the fuck is a center for story-based strategy and why do I keep hearing about it? What stories <laughs> are y'all telling niggas? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know why you keep hearing about it. I actually would love to know why you, like where, who. So I work in a nonprofit. Okay, well, that's probably why. Um, <laughs> so what is the center for story-based strategy? Yes. There, we are an eight, nine person organization. And our mission really is to support movements, especially centering frontline folks, support movements to build narrative power. And essentially what my, my um, one of the co-directors and I were talking about this 12 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> like on Slack, I was like, okay, I gotta go, bye. Um, like narrative power, I think shorthand is like, giving people the power to shape the story of what reality is. Like who gets the power to tell the stories of the present moment of our right. lives of the world. Um, so at CSS, we support people with training and capacity building so that they can get more narrative power. Um, what that looks like is thinking a lot about what is in our stories, what's out of our stories, how are we being strategic with who's telling the story, what is the future our story is foreshadowing, what assumptions is our story attacking or upholding. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, so often, stories we are telling in movement unintentionally reinforce assumptions we actually disagree with, like separateness, for example. Okay. Anyway, so we support frontline folks, movement folks to really think through how are all the parts of our story aligning with organizing to build power so that we're the ones in charge of how people understand who we are, how we are, where we're going. That's kind of like, that, that, that's like a messy it was super right messy night. and I, I'm intrigued by it because I'm a messy bitch and I just want to know how come we've never connected so that y'all can help me fix my story or outline it or like understand even my story. I mean, I'm not being accusatory, but can y'all get together and be like, we need to help this bitch before she like <laughs> blow to everything up. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've been asking people for a long time. I'm like, I just wing it because yeah. I mean, I just go by things I read. I try to put it in praxis and sometimes it don't come across that way. And I, I would love more understanding. And I think that's why I personally have been following y'all. Mm. I would love more understanding, but we could talk about that another time. I just feel like when we say centering stories, what is the power that I sit with? And am I using it responsibly? And, yeah. you know, like, am I uplifting other people's stories in the correct way? Like, you know, so these are all questions I have of myself and my own yeah. flagellating self-analysis. So I are, love to flagellate myself. That's interesting. We should talk about that. <laughs> that feels like a different part of the conversation. 
but we can talk about accountability later. <laughs> so I just want to say two things. One, yes. At CSS, we mostly work with organizations, which might be why we haven't worked with you yet. Just disclaimer. This um, is my blinking face. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, actually, I have three things. That's the first okay. thing. The second thing is we should talk about getting you in a training. I would love to do I that. I heard y'all niggas be going to Nova Scotia, the <laughs> roots. There was a Beirut trip. There was a British Columbia trip. I'm like, oh, wow. Niggas be on plant medicine and story-based <laughs> strategies. Okay. All right. This might be a couple of different worlds coming together, but I'm going to just leave that right there. The <laughs> third thing I was going to say is my friend Julian Mosin McQueen, who okay. is in Oakland, in the Bay. Um, Bay Area. He runs, him and his partner run an organization called the Million Person Project. Mm -hmm. And they work specifically with I don't think they talk about it as high power individuals, but the way I see it is like they work with high power individuals such as yourself to help you like- That was such an amazing compliment. <laughs> <laughs> what? I see you out here. <laughs> Sometimes Didi says stuff and then I hear like from eight different people what happened. And I was like, did you hear Didi said this? Did you see Didi did this? And I was like, I didn't, but thank you. I'm really glad to know. Okay, anyway. I, I really do mean You're that. Cry. That's not like a low key, like sideways. I just like, I actually think you are a high power person. Um, so Julian and his million person project, I think they are a good, a good. Can place. you say so, that person's name one more time? I'm going to just like write it down, please. Yes. Julian Mosin, mm M-O-C-I-N-E -hmm. dash McQueen, M-C-Q. Ooh, it's Friday. U E E N. <laughs> I got it. And if not, Google got me. So, I mean, we worked on it together, basically. So, yes. That's right. Million Person Project. That's their thing. Okay. 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 And what was the third thing? Because I feel like I interrupt a lot and I'm trying to work on myself. That's oh. my story. <laughs> I don't remember. It's gone. Okay. So, that was messy. It was also beautiful. I'm glad you explained to me what the fuck CSS do. Yeah. I'm excited about hearing more about like how that connects with like other organizations. So yeah. Yeah, I think um, if I can insert one thing real quick. Just you, like, this is your show. <laughs> Who the fuck am I? Go ahead and insert yourself. Okay, I'm gonna insert this one thing which is my work at CSS. Mm -hmm. I do network engagement. Okay. And basically what that means is I'm trying to connect people in as many ways and as strategically as possible. So like what I am trying to do in this moment is like connect you to Julian. I like, feel like you're a bridge and I don't know if I yeah. wanna sing Bridge Over Troubled Water um, by Simon and Garfunkel or if I wanna sing like, he's a bridge, so let him take you over. Like I just, I feel like this bridge is happening and it's interesting when two bridges get together, what happens? It actually is interesting. And I'm actually gonna write that down because I wanna come back to that. <laughs> hey, please, I love when you have your pen in your hand. These post-its, I'm ready to go. Okay, so, you're about to go somewhere else. I was, no, I was just gonna ask you, when you say narrative strategist, I feel like that is your day job, right? When yeah. you say storyteller, I feel like that's who you are on the inside. And so can you tell me how your job actually is amazing, an amazing fit for you because of who you are? My paid job? 
CSS work. Um, I feel like I have a pat. My dad is a pastor. <laughs> I would have never known. I have like so many PK vibes. <laughs> you do have a pastor kid vibe because it's like you're like mad humble, but also you're super devilish. I know all the pastors' kids. I know, I, I know y'all niggas. That's exactly it. Super humble, also dirty AF. <laughs> my what kind? What denomination is your is your family? Um. So my dad grew up Baptist, but he is United Methodist. He's ordained as United Methodist minister. He's in Jacksonville. You know, I was Methodist for like a month and a half, right? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I, we've been every religion because my mother was constantly searching for a place where God put her shoes at, but it's fine. <laughs> if you get a chance, watch that movie. John Leguizamo plays an amazing character. He's problematic yeah. in real life, but that character was amazing. A good character. Okay, noted. Um, I grew up with stories because my dad is a pastor. Just Sundays for four to six hours. Stories are like how I understood what the world was. I think most people are like that, actually. I think that's like the human thing. Like what we do different than all other animals is make sense of the world in terms of story. And given that I grew up in that world and that's what we do at CSS, it definitely feels like what it it feels like work that is aligned in ways that most things I have done and probably will do aren't. Mm. And that feels so lovely. And, and a huge part of my work in the world is like retelling my story. Like how do I understand and re-understand and remember my story in ways that it has been systemically ripped apart, whether we're talking about slave trade, whether we're talking about physical abuse or violence, whether we're talking about white supremacy, whether we're talking, you know, like all of these different ways that the story, like my parts of my story have been pulled apart, like pulling them back together so that I can re-understand who I am. It's really nice to get to do some of that work at the place that is paying me. That, that's what I said. I feel like it just makes sense. Like, you know, and not a lot of people get to do what they do and mm -hmm. what they love to do and get paid for it. So I, I just, I was really intrigued by that. And thank you for sharing that answer with me. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, when you say that you value love, justice, community, and transformation, I just want you to bookmark that, right? Right, We're gonna, right? when you value, it says you value it. Um, yep. So I want you to bookmark that because I wanna come back to what transformation looks like for black folks. Do we, need to stay who we are and the world needs to change or do because we've been conditioned so long in this world as who we are do we also need to change along with the world and that's something that i question a lot mm -hmm. and i don't have the answer to and i just think that it's good to mash that up so i want to come back to that great um i want to talk about your fiction writing. What is visionary fiction writing? Like, because isn't fiction writing in itself visionary? But it's like you put the adjective in there and I want to know what that's about, boo. A lot. So <laughs> when I would... <laughs> can't. I love it here. I love can't. it here. I love it here. Just can't. When I commented on that... Um... I think it, I forget whose episode it was. Maybe it was Sammy's episode about Afrofuturism um, or Damon's 
It was Hari. Hari. Too many episodes. You really out here watch it. Okay. Okay. You thought I was joking. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um that that feeling of like, oh, I don't like this thing or like I don't understand this thing. And so I'm just not into it. I was like that with all fiction for a really long time. Like I think I started to shift that uh, honestly, like maybe two years ago. <clears throat> and the reason I realized I was wrong <laughs> is because I thought all fiction was supposed to be visionary fiction. And I realized some fiction is not visionary fiction. And I don't like fiction that is not visionary fiction. I How thought can you I didn't tell like the difference? Fiction. Because I thought it was the same thing too. What made you come to this stark realization? And I'm just adding stark in there, but you looked stark it's while stark. you were telling me. It was stark. It felt stark. <laughs> it was like, I woke up. I woke up. I was like, oh, I've been lied to. The short answer is like, I thought that white dude fiction was all fiction. Wow. And most... Mm, I don't know if I can say most. I'm gonna say most. <laughs> say most. Come on, most Tom white, Clancy. Most white dude fiction is not visionary. Mm. Actually, what it does is it reinscribes the present or the past into the future. And often it does it in a way that makes the future that I want less possible. I feel personally attacked because my favorite white male author is Harlan Coben. And now that you just said that, You've stripped away my visionary. <laughs> Bitch, you better get the fuck. <laughs> I hate it here. I loved it and now I hate it. <laughs> oh my God, you just rocked my entire world. Robin Cook and Harlan Coben. I'm like, I'm superb fictionist because I read political and, and, and microcosm thriller and psychological and it's all bullshit. You just it's not it's not all it's definitely not all but all the stuff that i had come across i was not I into because racing. it's not visual because this it's not visual. Stark. yeah octavius brood which we you know i see just above your right shoulder yeah. <laughs> octavius brood i was my opening into actually visionary fiction and when i found it it just made everything else look like dust. You know, like a bunch of the fiction and even sci-fi, fantasy, many of those books I'd read just kind of like and crumbled. So I'm a writer of visionary fiction because I'm not trying to re-inscribe current bullshit into the future. I just not want to read everything that belongs to you. Well, most of it's on my blog. I'm so excited. And I write very short fiction. That actually makes me excited too because of reasons we discussed earlier. Yes, yeah, I'm like, here's an idea. How can I turn this into a story that feels like it pushes something into the future in a way that makes a new future possible? And how do I write it in 10 minutes? I'm definitely like a 10 minute, set, sit down, set the timer on. 10 minutes, print, push, publish, next thing. Mostly because if I don't hit send it in 10 minutes, then I'll agonize over for 10 years. You're like, this is not my best work. Exactly. This is not the message I was trying to convey. I need to edit all these typos out and it's just, it. I will push send on nothing. So I'm like in, out, what is this thing? It's so, so hard. Visionary fiction is like, 
how do we make the world we want more possible in the future? Mm. That's what I think visionary fiction does. And what it has to do is then fuck up your understanding of what is happening right now. I'm just, I'm a different person right now. And I feel like every single time I come into contact with you, I'm just a different person. Can we talk about the first time we met? What was the first time we met? At Resist? Was it at... Was it the that first panel? time, this is me rolling my eyes. The first time I met you. <laughs> I've been following you for way longer than that. So that's why it's confusing well, to me. No, it's not confusing. So we have a lot of the same mutuals. For some reason, I don't know because me and Kendra fight all the time. So I don't even know why me and Kendra is a mutual. <laughs> that's why. And she's like, bitch, you love me though. And I'm like, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And yeah. so... And even me and Iraq had so much beef for no reason and we squashed it and it's just become like a loving blossom relationship, even though he does that thing where we don't hear from each other in like six months. But then I get a text like, I see you. I'm rooting for you. Love you. Peace. I'm like, awesome. That's I'm like, am I nigga? Like, I mean, like. <laughs> that's how you rock. That's, that's, how, that's how he rocks. Oh, whatever. Rock. So we, you and I had a lot of mutuals yeah. and, um, I was like, that person is a shaman. I, you know, when I ever I saw you about in circles with friends, I was like, this is too spiritual person for me. I don't fuck with you. And then one day Kendra was like, um, bitch, I need someone to come help me stuff letters into like, I think they were fundraising letters at resist. And I was like, good, because I need to talk to you about my latest bone I had to pick with you. And so we're sitting at the table talking, and then you just come in with your messenger bag, and you're like, hi, hi. And I was like, hi. Like, I mean, but I don't think you was doing the hi thing. I think it was that hurried kind of like, I've landed in Somerville. This is what I'm doing with my day uh, sort of thing that, you know, people who land at Resist in yep. Somerville do. And <laughs> But the conversation that ensued with me and Kendra, yep. I felt like you, not a lot of men give space to conversations in which they are not a part of. And you literally were like, may I interject um, just my thought on this? And if not, that's okay. I mean, like, I was like, this nigga out here with boundaries <laughs> and like elevation or whatever and ever since then I remember giving you a hug when I left and it's just like I, every single time I run into you you're on some spiritual holistic do you want a banana sundae I mean I you understand what I'm saying to you I do it what what is this black magic that you do that's actually what it is oh my god I knew it I was like yeah. you're just and it was because I was running from my own spirituality every time I say I'm not gonna talk about spirituality on these shows it come up that's right the ancestors know what they're doing I was right, because I was like mama is like are... you can't run you trying to run but the problem is I'm everywhere mm. <laughs> I don't know where you're trying to go because you can't right. go anywhere so, Thank you for licking envelopes with me, boo. Hey, wow, 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 wow. Thank you. See, this is what I'm talking about with the stories and like remembering. <laughs> like that was a part of my story that I had honestly just shut out because that time in resist was hard days. <laughs> it it was, seemed like it. Those were definitely tough times. And so it was like, that was just gone. And now that I'm like 
on the border resist. I'm like, that's the way that I understand resist now. But I forgot about that moment. And I definitely, so it was really funny that you- Saf was there too. Saf was so. there, love Saf. Yeah. I was, I was full on, I don't think panicked is the right word, but like, I was like, this is D.D. Delgado. Like, I didn't feel that. I was like, you're just good. being super aloof. Good. I was like, good. that's fine. Good. Cause I was, I was like, like, the whole thing is fine actually. Like, and I'll not, take my leave now. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not ready to be in the presence. <laughs> so that's the funny but thing. But this was before like, you know, the fame and the articles and all that. Like this was, this was 2016, maybe 2017. I don't think, I personally don't think I was, um, I was hood famous. I think I was Boston famous. Like, yeah, you know, for I was very Boston and I know Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't. <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to say I was here before the come up, but I was here maybe on the front edge. Anyway, my point is, can we talk about spirituality? Can we go there for a second? I would love to, but I never push people. So I'm glad you offered that. Yeah. This is a healing bomb. Thank you for that. Yes. So this black magic, these beads. Mm -hmm. One, one way that I, I, I like make sense of the world, like the way I define spirituality is the belief that all things are connected. Okay. Like that's how I understand what spirituality is. Religions are like different doors onto that truth. Christianity is a door onto that truth. Buddhism is a door onto that truth. Judaism is a door onto that truth. But like the truth is all things are connected. That's what spirituality is. So that is so much of how I understand myself and other people and the physical planet and the universe and everything. And it makes me really sad, partly because of my own history and partly because I see it around. Right. That there are folks, especially Black folks in the U.S., for whom spirituality feels like something that we can't access or is Ooh. like dis disgusting, distasteful, harmful. And like, it is harmful, like white supremacy for sure fucked up Christianity way before America even existed. Maybe it wasn't white supremacy then, I don't know. Anyways, there are definitely forces that have destroyed Africans and folks of African descent's connection mm -hmm. to everything. And I'm for sure here to do the reweaving. It just feels really important to me, especially because- You're gonna make me cry. I'm here for tears. I've cried twice today. I, I don't think I've cried today. Okay, we can't do this because I have glitter on. Okay. Well. <laughs> I was like, this nigga is a friar, like Friar Lawrence. I mean, this is what I felt the entire time that I avoided you. You definitely knew. <laughs> I also appreciate that you said like, oh yeah, shaman. That is a word that I have been afraid of for myself. And I actually think it's a very, it's a very accurate word. It just is what it is. I'm, just, I can't help I'm it. a truth teller. Every single time I say like, That's oh, why I wasn't know. ready to be around you at the beginning oh, because shit. I was like, oh shit, Didi is a truth teller. I'm about to get my shit rocked. If you had said that, if you had said 
This nigga is if a I had said what I thought about you in the very beginning, you would have been like, I hate this bitch. This is the story I'm telling myself around her is that she is demonic. And that's why everybody talks shit about her. <laughs> Fucking valid. And then that would have been the, our, our narrative. I'm glad that's not our narrative. Anyways. I'm so glad it's not our narrative too. I have shared a little bit about my, like what I think about spirituality. And just to say, like, I grew up Christian. My dad is still a Christian pastor. I feel like I'm a recovering Christian because of that. Mm. mess me up if like mess me up for decades and there's a whole story there I feel like I am stepping beyond I have stepped beyond the bounds of Christianity I think lately I've been really thinking there is some real deep truth in most religions and big picture systems fuck it all up like institutions when they get too old they just fuck shit up so I'm out here trying to find all the Black queer mystics through time and who are alive now. And like, oh, let's yeah. go. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's you know, it. Oh, uh, okay, I just had a reading on Wednesday and I just got read for filth by my reader. I won't say who, because then people will be all up in your business. And I just got read for filth. And she was like, you have work that you're sitting on, you have messages from your folks that you know you're supposed to be doing and you just getting caught up in all the bochinchera, all the yeah. gossip, all the other people's narratives and stories. And you're taking on this battle that you don't need to be in and sure. you're making it your story. Like, you, you know, I was like, I'm on the phone with people and do you know who the fuck I am? Like, I mean, and that's not, that's energy that I'm wasting, expanding because they know who the fuck I am. And that's why they disgusting me, obviously, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I just appreciate, like, I want to know, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, as a recovering Christian, <laughs> what are your thoughts on African traditional religions? My first thought is I'm trying to learn a lot more. Yes. I want to invite you to a group. Okay, go ahead. <gasps> I'm going to do it now. <laughs> okay. okay like weirdo, let's go. Yo, my second thought is um, Carlene Griffiths, who was doing her PhD. At Harvard. And in the yard. In, in the divinity school. In the div school. And in another school, right? Is she, is she doing too? Oh, I, I'm sorry. That's not part of my story. <laughs> Go ahead, tell yours. Okay. I think she's, I think she's got some joint situation happening. Anyways. Okay. Um, I feel very excited to be in a very long, iterative, like slow iterative conversation about African spirituality. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is, it really makes sense to me that the reason Europeans have been able to do what they have been able to do in terms of world colonization is by destroying African people's connection with our historical spiritual traditions. Like it, I just, I just can't see a way around it. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn so much. Let me, let me get these books. We got to talk about the books too. Cause we're both, both on this weird, amazing path about books and we're gonna have a conversation this book which was given to me by my professor caesar mcdowell that photo 
I mean, to your earlier point about like making fiction fall apart, this book has made my world. What is it called apart. again? It's called Boiling Energy. I'm, re I'm ordering it right now. Community. Yo, my checking account. Can some white person send us some money? Because the the book budget is just dwindling. Yeah, that's real. Yo, pandemic is definitely out here making me spend all this money on these books. To your question, I really believe. I mean, yeah, I just believe that for folks of African descent, when. And that's not an if, that's like a when. We I like how you said when I looked at you very stoically. When we and our descendants reconnect mm. to the roots of the spirituality that had us in relationship with the land that we come from, there is no stopping us because that is like those roots are the place where we actually understand that we are not separate from the land, right? I am of the earth. I can't be if the earth is not. So this, the spirituality is like the linkage between me and that land. And so I am definitely like clawing my way back. <laughs> and it's a lot of work because like Christianity really has made me believe that this like white Jesus is what I was supposed to be seeking, following right. from. And not that, well, A, Jesus wasn't white. So that's the first thing that I didn't realize <laughs> that no one told me. The second thing was that Jesus was very close to Africa. <laughs> Nigga like, said he had hair like a lamb's wool. <laughs> he was ruddy in the skin tone, ruddy. Yeah, I I could go on and on and on. I think I will slow it down and just- That nigga it. turned water into St. Ives. You understand what I'm saying to you? Like, how you gonna tell me Jesus was not black? <laughs> Do you follow any poets? I do. I know that's a weird question, but Crystal Valentine was talking about, I have a poem based on, um, it's a response called how to respond when the Bible is used as an eraser. And Ooh. Crystal Valentine actually inspired the poem. And she says, there's a line that gives me chills every time I hear it. She says to um, Fox News anchor, Megyn Kelly, she says, how can you say that Jesus was a white man when he died in the blackest way possible with his hands up, with his mother watching, crying in the street. And every time I'm like, look, I got goosebumps. I was like, that nigga black. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Crystal Valentine said it. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. No, this I'm is why the world needs poets because we are the original storytellers. We are the griots, like, you know? The original griots. Wow. I think the term OG. Is this going to be your third time crying today? I love it. Okay. It might be. It might be. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. That's it. Wait, I need, where is this poem? Okay. Where? It's it's called, um, yep. just type in Crystal Valentine. It's Crystal with a C, not a K. Yep. And she's the former youth poet laureate of Brooklyn. And um, she's come to Boston so many times. Like, I just love her to death. Um, and I forget the name of the poem. Oh, no, I don't. How could I? It's called For When the News Reporter Says Jesus is White is the name of the poem. Oh, wow. Like, I was like, I forget. No, I don't. You definitely said it. Okay, got it. <laughs> got it. Wow. 
Aww. yeah it's just she's she's amazing and also if you ever want to delve deeper because i know we're going to get nerdy super blurdy here yeah. um she also has a poem about when donald trump first got elected and i think the title of the poem is i don't know it's some wild shit like when crystal valentine the name of the poem is like crystal valentine gets taken into questioning for killing donald trump is the name of the poem and she was like hey white women you think he won't come for y'all 19th amendment like yo she just she just hood i love her to death so yes stunned stunned crystal valentine i'm about to watch everything she's just TV. she's just an amazing oh i see it because i get taken in for interrogation after yes <laughs> and she was like she goes she goes, and so thank you, Crystal, for telling us the truth about our problematic behavior. Thank you. And she goes, hey, yeah, America, y'all welcome. Mic drop. I'm like, y'all nuts. Nutty from one bitch to another, nutty, okay? Like, so yes, I hope that you enjoy the Crystal Valentine journey because we need to protect her at all costs. I don't care. I'm <laughs> diving into the Crystal Valentine YouTube. Hole. I no, I hope you enjoy it very much. So great, thank you. Mm. What are we talking about? I don't even know. We definitely have many things <laughs> to come back to. Transformation as Black folks, I think, is related from this the jump from spirituality to the transform the lost spirituality and the disconnect we have from the spirituality that actually belongs to us to transformation of Black folks. And my original question is, do we demand that the world change and then we do nothing? Or is there some sort of transformation that needs to happen within ourselves? I like how you said that your story is like multifaceted and you were talking about you know, physical abuse, you were talking about um, the religion, you were talking about even ways white supremacy. And I was like, <laughs> you are black as fuck. How could white supremacy be a part of your story? And it may not just be, no, I'm saying in the way that most people think of blackness and white supremacy, but I have a feeling your analysis of white supremacy and who you are might go deeper than just, you know, the state sanctioned violence that we experience and the systemic violence that we experience because of white supremacy. May it have something to do with unpacking who you were brought up to. Okay, who, what do I know? You know, baby. So like. much. <laughs> I should just be like, Didi, you clearly know. I'm going to just listen. <laughs> I mean that. So I think it's a both and to go to the question. You know, I love both ands. Come on, two-prong. I heard you love these both ands. <laughs> black folks and all people, but I'm talking about Black folks. Of Transformation is actually what we have done forever. And I definitely am thinking spe like really specifically about rites of passage like mm. which you know um Malidoma Patrice Somme who has written so much about ritual in the Dagara tradition Dagara I think it's Dagara it just be words African spirituality out here learning grasping okay. trying to get there um these rites of passage where, you know, at certain age thresholds, you go through some shit. You have to go through a test that proves to your community that you are no longer a child, 
or you are no longer a young adult, you are now an adult, or you are no longer an adult, you are an elder. These rites of passage, which are hard as fuck, I think actually require transformation. And that's how the people in your community know that you are at the next level. So transformation for black folks is not new. <laughs> we have been, like most folks, most of us in the US have been separated from the, these ancestral practices, which we used to do multiple times in a single life. So we have been doing this. And I think what is beautiful about the way I approach mysticism is my transformation is the world's transformation. Like those are not separate things. Mm. No, you landed. I no, don't don't act like you didn't do the triple axle and land on one leg, okay? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I was just wondering because I think about like the stories that they tell. Like I read a lot about black women. I don't know if you knew this. Um, and so like Can imagine. And so I remember there was um an article I don't remember who I really don't remember who wrote it I just go through my notes I well and we're going to talk about why I stopped reading we're going to talk about that um I know I didn't know it was that I just admitted it I just okay we're we're definitely going there next look I'm I'm a little sad now that I just said it that's real thank you for thank you for like opening that um You were saying Um, you read a lot of black women. There was an article. No, no, no. I have it. I just, I'm trying not to cry on top of my glitter. That's all. Um, I didn't realize it was that, that deep for me. Um, Mm. All right. And so when I think about people who've been documented as resilient, I think of Harriet Tubman, like how periodicals called her a resilient black woman, how they called Coretta Scott King a resilient black woman. Like, We've just been resilient since Sojourner. Like we've been resilient um, when we talk about the transatlantic sl- slave trade and like how the strength that we embodied. You know, Portia O has a poem about water. You know, it's just like I think about even if we don't say the word resilient, how blackness embodies resilience, how white people borrowed it to put it in their Webster and Merriam dictionary, right? And it's really just like our story and our narrative. And when you say that we've been doing the transformation all along and that the world just needs to catch up, I really, really, really appreciate that. And I also push back a switch because I worry about, not that I worry about these niggas, but you know, Monica says all the time, there's a ton of y'all that Harriet would have shot or that she couldn't save because y'all didn't know that y'all was enslaved. And so there's this weird dichotomy that I feel not about that, but like black folks then and black folks now who don't understand this theory that we come from, this spirituality that we're going back to, um, that we don't, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we don't that we don't know how to connect, you know, um, I want to be very succinct in what I'm saying, because I feel like I'm making a point here and I don't want to lose it, that we don't, I think of my world and Black feminism as like 
my world. And I realize it's just a continent in the world. Mm. And we might be New Guinea and not Australia like we should be, right? Mm. Um, and I think I wish more Black folks would like really lean into, you know, I think about what's happening now in pop culture um, with Lil Boozy and the pushback about Dwayne Wade and how he chooses to parent. And I think about black women who can't be hoes and can't be sex workers because black men are on crusades to protect them, but won't take up the issue with men who abuse and pay for sex work. I just so much like that. There's just so much compounded there. And I want to know when I guess when I asked about the transformation that may need to happen, it's like, do we, you had said this very early on when we were talking about stories. We don't know sometimes the ways in which white supremacy pops back up into the world in which we're trying to create. And so when I think of my, my black feminism, because there's plenty of feminisms, right? There's, there's the feminism that lives in Qatar. There's the feminism that lives in Zimbabwe. And those might be stoic differences, right? Because of the social, political, economic, I'm trying to keep it cute yeah. and street, but like also I'm trying to use words that I have garnered. And I just worry about how not a lot of other people are getting that. And I'm not talking about because of lack of access or lack of um, wanting to understand, it's just choosing not to. Um, mm -hmm. I just came across a tweet from Future that um, Danny Tillman, who I who I follow religiously, just because I enjoy her content and I often share her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fucking Future is telling black women that they need to stay off the internet and telling their business. And whoever retweeted that was like, it's, it's amazing to me, a man with, six baby mamas and 10,000 kids and like child support woes and all this other stuff would have the gumption and the gall to write something so silly on the internet, you know? And so that's what I mean. Like we have people in positions of power who really aren't supporting the most marginalized and you and I know who the most marginalized are, but we're such a small group. And then you and I have a friend uh, connection of over 200 and something people. And that's still a small group, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're connected to those people that are connected, but it's still such a small group, but I guess is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. so it sounds powerful and amazing. You're like, Black people, we've been transformed. We know all this shit. Yeah. But I'm wondering, yeah. what do we do with those, if anything, yeah. who refuse to acknowledge queerness mm. and who refuse to unpack their masculinity and I don't want to call it toxic how reset me straight on that shit you know and so who refused to un just unpack it and and how some of us non-men can engage in that behavior and still call each other revolutionary while we're fighting over these same men or what have you so I just have a lot of questions about transformation in our stories yeah oh this is a whole new episode <laughs> I feel like I should be one of those bitches that have like the beauty mark right here because that would have been a perfect listen right right yeah, then. Like, <laughs> oh wow. I have was that question overwhelming? overwhelming? Sometimes I do that. I mean, overwhelming is not the word I would use. I would just use like 
if I had enough time, if I had three more hours, we could go <laughs> piece by piece. This is like a dissertation <laughs> situation. I want to write a dissertation about this. Do it. PhD I'm going to. I got 19 more credits before I finish my bachelor's. Okay, great. I'm here for that. Actually. Thank you. Um, so of the 10 <laughs> things that are in my mind, the two that I'm going to pull into this if, Fixate on what you can. That's all I can ask. Because like, I can't. The, the truth is a lot. <laughs> I'm going to fixate on a couple pieces. One, um, Alexis Pauline Gums, excuse me, Sister Doctor Alexis Pauline Gums. Come on now. Poet, speculative fiction visionary. Um, sometimes talks about the way she thinks in multi-generational time because she is a time traveler. Mm. And so the idea that we are small, that there are only a few of us is when we think about it in like this year. When we think about it as like 2020, there's only 200, 1,000, 50,000, even 50,000 is a small number, but- Come on, set me straight, Lawrence. Tell me about it. When we think about seven generations back, seven generations in the future, the people who are doing the work that is the most important will be the ones to have the influence. There will be millions, billions of people who the world does not remember. But the Kumbahi River Collective, we remember. <laughs> you better talk your shit. I'm just saying like, it's not a numbers game. Mm. Okay. Gracie Boggs talks about critical connection. It's about the people who are doing the work that is the most rooted. As Angela Davis, the people who are doing the work that is the most radical as in grasping at the roots, that is the work that sticks. That is the stuff that gets carried forward. That is the stuff that our descendants look back at and remember. So that's one thing in terms of the numbers, just like who is doing the transforming and why and for what end. I'm watching this five more times. I just want to let you know. <laughs> I'm thinking about my nibblings. I'm thinking about my nieces and nephews. Mm. I'm thinking about their kids. I'm thinking about their kids. I'm thinking about the planet that we are going to pass down. You know, I forget who said this. I think it's, um, you had Leah Penniman on, right? In the I did. Folks. Come I, on. I, I had Leah, Naima, and Kiani. <sighs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You really just be out here surprised. My heart is warm right now. He really thought I was joking. Mm -hmm. I don't think she said it on there. I think she said it in the book. Farming While Black, yeah. which I just ordered. White people, please send book money. Lawrence needs some book money, some rent money, money even. Who knows? I, I, mean, I need book money. I have 300 books on my, on my reading list. I'm going to put my good... I should just give you my good read link. That's what maybe that's what I need. <laughs> that might be right. I think she says in the book, um, like what we are, we are we are borrowing now from our descendants. Mm. Like Leah Penniman said that. 
Maybe she quoted somebody else. I'm about to ask her real quick. Go ahead, boo. Maybe she was quoting somebody. Um, like in terms of the land, like we're borrowing the land from the future. We're not like passing it on to them. I think that fr that frame shift is really important. And so when I think about what my work is, what our work is right now, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm trying to prepare the world for what is coming. What is happening now? I'm less concerned about like how people are understanding or not understanding what's happening. I am trying to transform and transform the world. And that is what I know my descendants are gonna appreciate because when I look back at my ancestors, the ones I look at are the ones who were doing the transforming. Not to say that I discard the, the other ancestors, but the ones who I'm like learning from, the Octavia Butlers, <laughs> I am learning from the people who are doing the transforming. Oof. Damn it, I lost my second point. Shit. I'm so sorry. Cause you said you had two good things. And I I feel like I do that thing where I'm just like swooning over your every word. And I'm just like, yes. And then you get distracted. And I and I feel like that's a you it's not a character flaw. It's but. not a character flaw. Can I talk about pandemic brain for a second? Yes. Just real quick. <laughs> I, talk about it. I definitely have just noticed myself and other people that my the way the way my mind usually connects thoughts is just not happening. Well, I thought that was because I had been in a car accident, but you're saying it's very possible that I have pandemic brain, that there's so much information floating towards us and that we're supposed to catch it all and process it. And it yep. And we can't. <laughs> Look, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't. It's, actually, it's too much. And too much of it isn't. I don't think this is wine. This is apple juice. It's just going down way too easy. You're a lie. You're a damn lie. No, I mean, like, I know it's wine. Oh. But it right. tastes like the baby Capri Sun, is what I'm trying to tell you. It just, that's, that's that shit that came out of a box. That shit that says the GMOs inserted into this wine will oh. last you 30 days. Okay. <laughs> Get that boca box. Mm, what you got? What is that? That sounds Italian, Barcelo. Dominican rum. Oh my goodness. Do Italians make rum? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's even an area. Dominican rum. This is not a promotional. Oh, Dorado. Okay. Uh, anejado. Look, I don't speak Spanish, but I know how to read it. Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> we learn by walking. T, T and Nancy said, oh, of course I would miss the shout out. And I was just saying that you were saying it was one of your favorite episodes because why you felt like. <laughs> Twerk team, you felt like you was unpacking that it would take eons and that you had to remind yourself it's actually not a competition, but you felt like, wow, this is so much depth. Decades worth of depth. Decades worth decades. of depth. Wow, on, that needs to be on I'm a like shirt, a actually. Movie. What you just said needs to be on a shirt. That's right. So, oh, I remembered it. Yes, I got it. I'm glad we talked it out. You were talking about transformation of the world around us. Mm -hmm. I absolutely think the world around us needs to transform. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Black folks resting 
is transformational? Like earlier, you were talking about taking a nap. Oh my God, I that was the best nap I ever took in my life. It was only an hour. I was so happy when you said that. <laughs> and you even texted me later. You were like, did, did I make it clear that I was happy you were taking a nap? I, like, I, used yes, to, I used to get nap shame. People would be like, you're taking a nap? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Nap shamed. <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> Black people resting is transformational because we are owed on this continent many generations of rest. And the world, if we, if we actually rested, the world around us would have to transform because it would not, the white supremacist world would not be able to take advantage of us while we are resting. So I, it's just a both and. Like my transformation and the world's transformation are not separate pieces. You're such a brilliant person. I don't even wanna say your mind is brilliant, but it's just like every time I talk to you, I get pieces of you that I'm not sure the world deserves. And I just wanna say, I hope you heard what I just said. I heard. I'm also going to send this to my mama. <laughs> I don't know. So I oh, want to talk to you about mama. this book, which was recommended to me because mm -hmm. we said we was going to talk about this shit. So this is Christina Sharp in the book. wake on blackness and being. It just got delivered to my home yesterday. Um, I think that Hari uh, Zaid recommended it to me and because I just don't, I still don't understand. I mean, there was a better conceptualizing and, and better um, speaking of, right? Because I'm trying to use uh, everyday language. I'm trying to get better at doing that. So there was like this talk of like how the term Afro-pessimism, when you think of being pessimistic yeah. um, and then you combine it with Afro, which is already like this weird whitewashed negative connotation I was like is this a double negative or y'all talking about like how we hate ourselves and right. the world is going to end and this on the third um and I bought the book because I want to learn and understand better so that way I can appreciate Afrofuturism better because y'all was not about to be out here shaming me for hating sci-fi and not wanting to read Octavia Butler because I don't understand her and fucking the black character in Wrinkle in Time. Was she even supposed to be a black character? I don't know. And so like, for me, I was like, futurism, I grew up reading it, but it didn't feel like real and connected to me. I read The Giver. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, and this one a medal? Like, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> that was my whole middle school and high school situation. I was like, who? Who said this? Who was like, this is it? I'm crying because I'm not reading. And I grew up my entire life, my entire, my entire childhood. Reading was an escape from all the abuse that I was living with, all the sexual abuse, all the physical abuse. Reading was journeys and eons away from the place and where I lived, you know? And um, I have all these books, you know, you said earlier you were trying to read my, my spines and I'm like, I have all these books because it's what I would be interested in reading. And I can't even get through some of them because I am supposedly so important that I have to be everywhere all the time. And I don't get to enjoy mm -hmm. or unpack what I'm reading or join the book club discussion or um, 
And I just keep ordering more books because I, I'm convincing myself that if I hoard the books, that when I really have a breakdown, that this is what I will go back to, that this is what I will re remember. And I can't believe I'm sharing this with you, but I felt fake as fuck sharing my love of books with you because I love them so much. Like even my, my child, I tell them all the time, no, mom, do not bend the book like you have to hold in and I find myself I can't believe I'm sniffling it's not in but this is just how I feel and I just wish I had more time to do more than find the quotables or mm. highlight the mm. first three chapters um you know the longest book I I've gotten through is Damon Young's book and that's because it was so 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 thoughtful and moving and everything else I feel like I don't know and so I I, I don't know why I told you that but I just feel like I have so many books to get through that are so important. And, and I'm like, oh, this is the work. This is the work. But the work also is that I need to sit still and take that rest. So that way, when I wake up from my nap, I'd be like, Egypt, you good? You got a snack? Okay, mommy's going to read three chapters and breeze through this real quick. <laughs> you know? Ooh. Ooh. That was some energy that just moved. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. That was like a kidney stone. Thank you. Sometimes I laugh at my own pain. I'd be pulling Kevin Hart's over here. Okay. I have glitter on my eyes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for going there. That is not easy. And I don't need like for us to go into that. I just wanted to be honest because when we talk about books, I when you said you wanted to do it, I was like, I'm really hoping that one of these days, one of these motherfuckers inspire me to just light a fire underneath my ass. The last book that I read that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Was the coldest winter ever. And I think I read it in 2011. Now I read books because I'm studying for school. Yeah. Now I read books because I'm doing a keynote and I have to make sure I have all my citations. Now I read books because I have to go sit with my peers in a month at this Momentum or Mi Gente conference or whatever I'm doing around the country. And mm. I wanna feel like I'm on the same level as my peers, even though I'm just a bitch from Roxbury. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and so it's just been a lot. No, I will go back and say that the last book, and don't get me wrong, the last book I enjoyed was The Coldest Winter Ever. But the last book I felt like I understood was um, Kiara Bridges wrote, um about poverty i want to say it was called bridges to poverty i feel like she played i made a play on words there mm. and, and oh the poverty of privacy rights that's what it was called uh. and and so i always do this like what you said pandemic brain i i, I pretend like i forget and then it's <laughs> right there so she wrote the poverty of privacy rights and i felt like she told my story mm. like a lot of times and, but she was telling her own story a lot of times people write these fucking um thesis books yeah but there's no practice behind it because they're banking oh. off uh, statistical data and shit like that and like kiara if you've ever met kiara bridges or you ever have the pleasure of meeting her this to. bitch shows up in fucking leopard print leggings bigger the hoop bigger the hoe earrings 
to the Harvard Humanist Hub and is like, and what's popping, y'all? How y'all doing? I'm here to talk to y'all about the poverty, <laughs> the poverty and privacy rights. <laughs> and she's just so real with herself. And I, I, I'm interested to hear what you're reading and maybe even why. Yeah. Great. Can go there. Also, offline, we need to talk about. I, I would love to talk about support structures so Dee can read. But later. Thank you. I am reading. I love you. I love you too. I am reading. What are you reading? Your hair is getting so long. Look at that hang time. All about love. Easy, easy choice. So good. Not an easy book. An easy, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna read this one again. I feel like I was being performative when I bought that book. Um, and that's the inward journey. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I was in a relationship when I bought that book and we were like, we're going to read it together. And then I broke up with him. Like I was going to say, did it end your relationship? Because that's what this book tends to do. <laughs> that's what happened. He was like, oh, she's for real, for real. And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I am for real. Yeah. This book. What's the inward journey about? So how would <laughs> Tell me about the inward journey. Howard Thurman. Wow. I'm all sorts of messed up. Um, black theologian, mystic wrote a bunch of his books at Boston College. Really? No, I was like- Yo, oh. you know T. Cherie just got her fucking degree. We got to give it up to the hood bitches that are graduating from these higher learning institutions. Yes, that baby made it. Hell yeah. The Inward Journey is, you know, they're like one to two page. I don't even know the word, what the right word is. They're just like little mystic deep dives. Mm, He'll okay. go- real deep into like and when i say mystic i mean can like spirituality can be about like stuff that's like up here or out there and mystic is like the out there is in here and the in here is out there and so he just has these like 500 to 600 word little spurts of here is how i am the universe <laughs> and you are the universe and we are the universe and the relationship between us is the whole universe it's just like little snippets of what that looks like that looks so amazing and then all about love what's your takeaway because i feel like you're reading it did you just start because i saw you post it on the insta my second time no what's your second time second or third time um i am reading it because you revisit books? I re I have revisited three books in my whole life. You, tell, you have to tell me about this. Go ahead. This is number three. Number two is um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Is that right? Viktor Frankl, which I read when Trump got elected <laughs> because I, I, I read for the second time because I was like, oh shit, concentration camps. Like I need to know what is the wisdom from concentration camps. <laughs> because we are in one right now. And then I was like, oh wait, actually other people are in concentration camps. I should have been, should have had understood what this is about. Right. Um, that was book number two. And then book number one is Emergent Strategy. Someone has just walked off with my copy of Emergent Strategy. And if you do recall, speaking of stories we tell ourselves, I was invited by you to join the book club. I do remember. 
And I vehemently denied it. And I was like, I'm traveling to Abu Dhabi and I can't be bothered with Adrian Murray Brown, but have fun bitches without me. And it was the worst decision of my life. I mean, that trip set me up with so much success, but I feel like I lost community and I lost the opportunity to dive into the book with people who are also hungry and wanting that word, like, you know? So I just would like to uplift that. We don't have to talk about it. I just wanna let you know that sometimes I think about that conversation and all the parties you've invited me to and all the things and I'm always like, why does nobody like me? <laughs> like you so much. Every queer party ever, I'm like, one day I'll go. <laughs> and then also, I'm like, parties are, hard, though. parties are like a hard thing to do. No joke. I don't like parties. I yes. like going out to bars with a lot of people so I can disappear into just the music and the liquor and the food. And um, the book. I bring them, I take my books. To a bar? This is how we're going to do it. It's this just, is I just it. bring my pussy. I'm this sorry. Is- okay. <laughs> That's what I do. Okay, I'm just saying, I think this might be the, this is the ticket. When bars okay. open, me, Didi, at a bar with books. Let's do it. We could go to Machine and ignore every fucking body and I just be with our, did it shut down? I thought so. Okay, offline conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what problematic thing has happened now? I, I don't <laughs> Bell hooks. Yes. <laughs> I'm reading this book for the second time because I needed a re-up on all the different ways that love, which is the same, like love is love is love is love is love, looks real different depending on the context. <laughs> and I feel like she does a great job of like, Here's what love looks like in romantic partnerships. Here's what love looks like in friendships. Here's what love looks like in family. Here's what love looks like in community. And in this moment, especially as we're in an quote unquote economy that's about to reopen, which is wild because we don't have the test thing. We don't know anything about this virus. Like what? As we- It was like, do not come here. <laughs> that's right. They're like, y'all better stay Yeah. <laughs> keep them borders closed boo <laughs> like, we are okay down here as we get ready to be back in this or as we move into this new world mm-hmm. i wanted to reground in what love looks like in its different manifestations so that i'm real clear when other people try to tell me that i'm doing the wrong thing that i actually know what i'm doing is rooted in love which is a very practical ass thing. It's not about feelings. Feelings are a part of love, but these feelings, that's not what love is rooted in. <laughs> Diddy, Diddy! I talked Diddy. about this earlier today, so now I feel personally attacked. <laughs> Say it one more time so I can understand. Love. <laughs> In my opinion, inspired hooks is not about feelings. Your feelings are a part of it, but love is not about the feelings. Love, excuse me, desire 
that's a feeling. Lust, that's a feeling. There are all sorts of feelings around love. I can love someone who I don't like. Can you teach me your ways? I can try. Thank you. My ways are definitely mostly Bell Hooks' ways, but I'm gonna try. No, I appreciate it. The love is not about how I feel about you. Oh, I really like this intimacy, go ahead. I'm trying to, like, my well-being is your well-being. Your well-being is my well-being. In this world that we are both transforming in, if either one of us gets stuck, the other one is also stuck. So this love is like, how am I loving myself? Which is also, how are you loving yourself? Which is also, how am I loving you? Which is also, how are you loving me? They're like, oh, (laughs) it's all there. Mostly because when I love myself, I learn my boundaries. And then I have to be in relationship with you around your boundaries. And if either one of us is fucking up on the boundaries, something is off. All right. I just have to be prepared going forward. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm gonna stop. I, I, no, you're, I mean, we're on the right trajectory. We must be because I was like, I came to this conversation like, you can't change me, Lawrence. I don't care about your story based and your strategies. <laughs> My favorite definition of shaman is that. We create the container in which other people transform themselves. And that feels like I can get behind that. The idea of transforming other people, that's just terrifying. Cause it's messy, like it's messy. But I definitely can set up a container <laughs> where we can train, where we can like individually and collectively transform. And I'm here for that. I have something to say. I'm so ready. I got the pen. I got the notebook. Are you ready? This is not, I just want to make a disclaimer. I know a lot of people make disclaimers and then they do what they, they said that they were disclaiming that they weren't going to do. Yep. Um, I have really been tested. I would say, I'd like to think of my situation as like so large, but when I think about all the tests I've been put through in my life, this is really very small. Um, but sometimes when it's happening, it feels again, large. And I think it's because of all the times that I couldn't protect myself when, when things were happening that were really large. And so when I feel like the small, like the little mosquito bite, I smack it and I, and I usually kill it when I smack it. Um, last night two things happened and I feel like nothing is a mistake. The first thing that happened was my best friend of so, so many years said to me, it's not that, you know, about a conflict I'm having with one person. It's about something, 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 somebody upset about something that happened four or five years ago. It is what it is. They have the right to be upset. What I'm not sure about is the right to continue to like, crucify me over their upsetness um there are a lot of things that 
you might do that up, might upset me and I, I'm not going to go around and be like, well, Lawrence is a piece of shit. And let me tell you why, <laughs> like, you know, and, and if people do that, that's fine. It's, it's just, I just don't want it to continue to be a part of my story because that episode or that moment in time, if it didn't cause irreparable harm, if it didn't take away money, if it didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, um, and so a friend of mine said to me last night, if I could look at the whole thing, none of you were in love with said person. This person wasn't in, even in love with any of you. <laughs> they were in shame with you. It's very possible that this person didn't know how to love the first person and knew that they had messed up. You know, these folks are not out here being obtuse on purpose, um, you know, knew that they had messed up and continued to operate in shame. And shame is kissing cousins with trauma, you know? And then when I came along, it's very possible that they continue to operate in shame with me because they couldn't meet me where I deserve to be met. And I'm, I am a little bit different because I am very, I'm very aware of like what my boundaries are. And I'm not sure that not everyone can push that envelope mm. and so i i grappled last night i asked the question um yeah. do you know how to love it's so funny that we're talking about this guy I was like do you know how to love and i don't mean like the lust because i know how to lust very well baby i know how to lust and i also think i know how to love but i think i love with condition and i'm not saying that there shouldn't be boundaries and conditions within love but I think that I have a hard time describing why my situations from person to person, from gender to gender, always look the same. And mm. I can look at myself and say it's a common denominator. Mm. But then I look at those people that have also moved on or if, they, if they've moved on and their relationships and yeah. we're all doing the same thing. And yeah. so there is that is what I'll pause on. Great. And then the second part of that is the thing that I struggle with the most is how to transform yourself in the midst of the not knowing, mm. right? And, <laughs> and so these are all the things that I grapple with. I'm like, you know, there are teachers, of course, and there are courses and there are all these spiritual leaders and guides and all that shit. But it's like, if you're not surrounding yourself, and I, and I found myself, I find myself very blessed to know you, to know Iraq, to know Kendra, to know Luana, and to know people like Monica, to know people like Tamala, to know to know all my friends. But I find myself fighting back against the empire. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense. Like I'm like, this is too good to be true. This circle is not my circle. This, I am my circle because at the end of the day, that's all I have left is me. And then I cause really destructive, like fucking adaptive things because I'm so afraid of losing y'all or y'all finding me out that like, you know, I'm not this 100% whole dope person that you thought I was. Yeah. So some Sherry said, bitch, I did not come in here tonight to be stripped naked and seen. There's not enough wine. And so I I always share my stories feeling like not, I don't need the accolades because I already get those, right? I get paid to share my stories elsewhere. I share my stories with my following because it's important. Yeah. And I want to yeah. know what am I missing? I mean, you ain't got to be my therapist, but what am I missing here? I'm all about therapy. Um, <laughs> 
I can't believe I'm saying half the shit I'm saying to you. Can you not make me? I'm I'm tired of vulnerability without honesty. Okay. I feel like I have a lot of that. Hurt, 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 hurt. Um, I'm gonna say two things. What are you gonna say? I'll just keep it, keep it a little cute. One thing is your question so concise and on the nose, like just hit the nail on the head, how to transform in the midst of not knowing. I said that. You said that. <laughs> Let me flip my hair now. <laughs> how do you transform in the midst of not knowing, nigga? Okay. <laughs> the complicated thing is the transformation happens in the not knowing. Like the not knowing is the transformation. Butterflies, right? <laughs> I've been fascinated with butterflies for my whole life. I didn't remember this until a couple of years ago. I used to- This is I, not true. I used to collect caterpillars. This is not true. You've been you've been fascinated with butterflies your entire life. This is not true. Tell me I about used, it. I used to have these little plastic buckets and I would go outside and I would collect caterpillars. I would put leaves in the plastic bucket and then I would just watch the caterpillars eat. <laughs> I see you, Octavia. <laughs> and maybe four years ago, I had a realization about why. Caterpillars fully liquefy on the process of becoming butterflies. They eat a shit ton, then they turn themselves into a chrysalis or a cocoon. And inside the chrysalis, they turn into full liquid. And it's in the liquid that all of the molecules rearrange themselves so that they can grow wings. You don't get the wings without the goo stage. Like the caterpillar can't just sprout the wings out of its back. It has to melt. And so the not knowing is like the critical part of the transformation because I think it's being in that in-between stage of like, what the fuck is happening? I literally can't make sense of this. Eventually, as you start to make sense, the pieces recoalesce in a way that puts you at wing stage as opposed to eight legs crawling around stage. I just think the not knowing is critical. The not knowing is the path to the transformation. You a bad motherfucker, Lawrence Barron. You are in, you, you, you've said it at least four times this conversation. Like here is some shit that I don't know. Here is some shit that I'm trying to figure out. Like that is that transformation road. So that's the first thing. The second thing, this these shame bonds, these shame trauma bonds in these relationships, like trauma bonded relationships are mad real. I have been in them. <laughs> I might be in one right now, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this shame My current belief theory thing I'm working on is like, I can't actually be in a meaningful relationship with somebody else until I can be 
a meaningful relationship with myself until I can be with all of the shadow and the dark. There's no way I can hold someone else's dark if I can't hold my dark. And I know other people got dark because I got dark. What about when you're doing it anyways? <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely doing it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, you was right in the first 20 minutes. We need a support group. <laughs> this is so terrible. And it's also beautiful because the not knowing is how I'm even fucking having this conversation with you. Yeah. I don't know what else to do. I, I was talking to one of my teachers today, like, I actually don't learn unless I'm out here trying stuff. I'm trying stuff. It's not, it's not pretty. It might be messy, but I'm definitely trying to learn <laughs> my way through this. I really appreciate all these books. <laughs> also, this book, this book bar thing, I'm here for it. This one, I just this one I'm afraid of. When you say you're afraid of things because of truth and the telling, I am afraid of this book and I deserved it. And I still haven't touched it other than for it to fan my face and the heat I'm feeling in this conversation with you. It's 85 degrees here. Are you joking? It's, it just snowed. I It's an apocalypse. We're in the apocalypse. We are definitely living in one to many apocalypse. No, it's 85 degrees because I refuse to turn on the air oh, conditioning. You know, that. So the, the heat, the walls are sweating, actually. Are those I'll open a window. What's what happening? Are those katanas? Like, what's happening with these swords? Oh, it's a spirituality thing. And I, it's so funny. Damon Young mentioned them, and I never said anything. I just giggled. But for you, I'll, I'll tell. I won't tell the whole thing. Okay. This is part of one of my altars, and that is where I'll leave it at. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll just do a thing I never do. That's not true. Yes. This is my four. That is my four level altar. Yes. Come on, Buddha. I thought I was the only one who uses shelves. So I bought a shelving system so I can put my love altar and my money altar side by side. Luana's got me started on the love altar. I have to give I have to tell you right now, Luana, as far as any kind of rolling in the hay she and I have done together, we are literally like, who the nigga? I mean, you more Christian than I am. I was only Pentecostal for two months. And so like, who's the nigga who was fighting with the angel, Michael? Gabriel? Gabriel? <laughs> well, Gabriel was an angel. So who was fighting with Gabriel? Was it Moses? No, it was Not Jacob. Moses. It was Jacob. Jacob. Jacob fought. Listen, okay, I'm a little Christian still. <laughs> hey, I like trauma forgot all that stuff. So you should just keep, keep it going, Jacob. Yeah. Thank you. So Jacob fought with the angel. And sometimes me and Luana fight with each other only because Luana will call me in the midst of my trauma and been like, beloved. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I don't know how the fuck she does that. Every goddamn time, she'd be like, "Hey, let me just give you this medicine." I was like, "How? How?" She's like, "Spirit, fam. Like, I don't know what y'all thought I was doing. Like, I don't know what you think I'm doing out here, but 
it's not what you think it is it's this she gave me my begonia and it's got it came with one leaf and now it's got five and I'm just like she knew what she was doing just out here growing the shit in water like you know but what I wanted to say was having these types of relationships is making everything super relational. I wish I was high right now. So that way I can attribute what I just said to that. But no, like, it's just making everything super relational. I genuinely believe that being high is tapping into a spirituality that is also possible without being high. It's just much harder to get to without being high. Right. I think it's, it, you know, I have had many moments, I think mystic moments are tapping into like, when you lay down and you look at the sky and you're like, oh fuck, I am the sky <laughs> with no weed, with no other plant medicine. Like that is, that is what cannabis supports us to do like that. But it's super possible without it. I need to know what kind of strains of cannabis y'all be using because I only get that way with shrooms. Any other cannabis strain, I'm just goofy or I'm sleepy. <laughs> but with shrooms, I was talking to the sky. We were holding hands. That's I was right. making love to the stars. All around. I'm bad at smoking. To be okay. I'm I only do edibles because I'm terrible. Damn, I'm an edibles girl. <laughs> so everyone hates me on edibles though because, because I'm the bitch that can't stop. Not the cackle oh. laughter, but like, let me say something extremely funny. <laughs> Everybody needs to laugh now because I'm going to keep laughing until niggas follow suit. Uh, noted. <laughs> I'm excited to have an edible together sometime. Thank you. Yes. I cannot wait. I'm out of rum. I need to. That's not true. <laughs> I, have I have one. There's one question I wanted to ask you that I haven't asked you yet. Oh, you want to ask me a question? Yo, y'all niggas really do this. Okay, so go ahead. How? Are you feeling fucked up in the game? <laughs> this is how I should be lying right now. I'm being like, everything is fine. I'm really handling the pandemic well. I do my show and I get to talk to famous people and like really spiritual people. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so busy and I still got a job and I'm great mom. And I'm really hating every single moment of this. Mm -hmm. The creating is supposed to be joyful and because that's what I do. I'm a creator. Yeah. That's the only reason why I even ascended as, as far, even if this is the stop, as far as I have, because I'm a creator. Mm. And this project is me competing with a self that I say that doesn't exist. Or did I have... Um, you know, and Kendra could probably speak to this. She and I talk about this all the time. Like when, you, when you're a part of an organization like BLM and everything is riding on you to be right all the time or to be mm -hmm. proper or to be like knowing the answer, you know? Analysis. Yeah. And, and, and I, don't get me wrong. I, I could, I attribute a lot of my political analysis to what I learned from just organizing alongside of other Black Lives Matter members, including Kendra. 
including Carlene, including Don yeah. Asia. Yeah. I just feel like I'm not sure what my work is anymore because even though I was fighting for black liberation, I was doing it inside of an organization. And so now I'm just over here doing it and still sitting with the critiques of you're not doing it right or mm -hmm. this is not how we we would have done it or maybe you should focus on learning why voting is important and you know just i feel a lot of pressure to shift things different and the last pressure i'll tell you is i feel like if i were to take the path you know, and I think people say I'm being, say that I'm being shady when I say this, I'm just being real. If I was to take the path of some of my peers and just focus on my own shit, connect with my editors, cause I have five, you know, and write this book or do this poetry album or, you know, and focus on myself instead of focusing on the community, I would be somewhere, right? I would be the bitch that's respected when I go speak on a panel. I would be the bitch that if I'm on a panel with three other Black women who have their PhDs, I'm not the person that's getting told, even though I'm the only one from Boston and I'm on a Boston campus. Um, well, can you give the time, you're asking a question about Boston and while they can have an analysis, you're talking about a bitch that was bred in the projects here. You know what I'm saying? And so I have like all these feelings about where I'm supposed to be. And everyone's like, you're doing amazing. Look at you in this podcast. I'm like, I don't get paid from this shit. This is the labor of love for my community. And people don't look at it as labor. I get fraud, I get trickster, I get grifter. I get treated like Sean King. <laughs> and I'm just like, Sean don't. King don't even get treated like Sean King. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm like, what? Yeah, and so... <laughs> I struggle a lot with critique, I, I guess, if I could sum it up. Yeah. And my hairdresser came to my home yesterday and was like, big as a level, higher the devil. And I was like, Carlos, don't say that shit in my house. <laughs> and I also had to think about it. I love that. That I probably wouldn't have any of the conflicts that I do have if I wasn't doing anything. Damn, bigger the level. What'd you say? Higher level, bigger the devil? Yeah. Carlos, I'm gonna need you to sit down. <laughs> you mind your business, Carlos. I'm gonna tell him. <laughs> I'm gonna take that back because <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah, that's super real. That's super real. I, ew. Wow, I always ask y'all niggas how y'all doing, and we never talk about me. So it's not about me. I just want to tell you that's how I'm doing. I grapple with these things, is what I want to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I can say to, also share. I'm feeling in this moment, today I facilitated a retreat and I feel real good about it. And I had a lot of immediate like negative self-talk of like, you should have done this. You forgot to do this thing. You had the plan be like this and the, in reality it was this other thing and you're a bad facilitator because that and you didn't support them to get what they were trying to get. And so I do feel like because of my spiritual work, I can look at that as a narrative and be like, huh. Who am I performing that for? Why did I think these things? Like, Who, who does this benefit? Who does this? No one. <laughs> That's not true. I didn't dump it, but I'm, I, I'm at this stage now. I'm just like being able to see You're it. like, I'm still holding on to it for safekeeping. <laughs> just, just in case I need it, you know, just like, just in case is a good thing. Oh, well, that was what I was going to ask you because you had said, 
you know, not to bring up anything about your trauma or what you're currently experiencing, but you're like, I might be in one of those shame trauma bonded relationships. And I know that you look like a nigga who holds circle processes about unpacking shame and trauma as black men. And, you know, and I think about like, how do we live with our contradictions and why are people so quick to point the finger when you have a contradiction? People are quick to point the finger because they have contradiction. It's avoidance. <laughs> what you drinking? Kombucha? No, it's this rum situation. It's the rum. I just, you remind me of somebody who, you know how Black people all of a sudden find this spirituality, whatever. It could be kundalini yoga. It's not really spirituality. And then they'd be like, kombucha changed my life. And I just want to make sure that you're not there yet. Okay. If I'm going to be real honest, I was there. I hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) This was 2008. (laughs) Oh my God, and you gave the timestamp. My nigga, I can't live like this. <laughs> I had these big ass scobies. I was making all this kombucha. I was like, yo, this is way better than soda. Mm. Anyway, back to- Wasn't you drinking bacteria? What were we talking about? <laughs> what were we talking about? It was a good I thing. was asking you about your contradictions because I really want to talk about, you said justice and love. I want to go back to the question I asked you in the beginning. You yep. said you were going to make a note of it. You said you value love, justice, and community. Yeah. And I'm not really certain because I know, like I said, I know you're a nigga who runs circle processes and you're talking about unpacking masculinity. And yep. like when when you're queer, I don't even know how we begin to shift that and like unpack it, but you're doing this work. Yeah. And also you still live in the society. Yeah. How do you maintain your sanity around that? Oof. So circle is part of it. It's like this. What's a circle process for people who don't know? A circle process is an emotionally and spiritually held space, I would call a container, where there is someone who has enough experience to know about how human patterns and dynamics go, someone who has enough experience with that stuff, who can create a safe container for people, in my experience, to just be who they are without fear of everything breaking or falling apart so mm. that, that's my experience like someone who has skill holding space for people to just be who they are in all of who they are i think there's there's like tons of different ways to do it there's like different ways you can pass a talking piece you can set ground rules. I wanted to bring up the talking piece but i was like am i gonna be petty if i bring up the talking piece why would that be petty well i want to know what talking piece you use for your circle process uh i have many of them this is one of them is is that a cookie okay i bought this in south carolina charleston south carolina when i was doing some ancestor research what's a cookie is that what that is no it's a frog um and it's in puerto rico but you said Uh carolina so i don't know if that's an alligator now i don't even know if those belong in, in 
What? <laughs> anyway, that's one of them. Another one is this amethyst that one Mr. Brandon Sloan gave me. Yo, shout out to Brandon Sloan. If if, he, if Brandon's still my friend, I'm going to tag them. <laughs> you never know what you do to piss people off in these internet streets. So we'll see what happens. Nope, but we'll tag. <laughs> we will tag. Um, those are two talking pieces. Yeah. Okay, so circle is part of how I stay sane because mm. it's a circle that experiences in the world that I think are me being crazy when I bring them to circle and I realize other people have that same experience I realize I'm not crazy because this is happening to all of us or it's, or it's happening to more people than just me it's very rare that I get to experience that type of here is a hard thing I experienced and here resonates mm. like I rarely get that outside of circle I do get it outside of circle, but I rarely get it outside of the circle. And maybe I should say, that's the wrong way to say it. The right way to say it is, I often experience it in circle. Like it is one of the most common things I find in circle process. Um, so I find circle helps me keep my sanity and why I hold circle is because I just think it's our, like our, our it's part of how our ancestors have survived. Mm. I mean, I think about that. I hear that a lot, that that's how our ancestors dealt with conflict is through circle process. Um, and so like, I wanna know like from you, uh, because you're, I feel like you're not that you're omnipotent. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that I'm to not, you. No, you're not. Great. But it feels good to say. I feel like that's one of those compliments. It's very airy and like loving, but it's not real. And I want to stay away from those. And so I want to be careful with what I say. But I feel like you just have this knowledge base that really encompasses what I'm really trying to be at. Mm. And um I want to know from you, like so say there is a man, a yes. black man, oh, a yes. black queer man. Um, do you like how I said all that? Love them. Thank you. <laughs> so who's like, okay, I've done the worst. I have slept around with like 18. I, I'm the black queer man. I've slept around with 18 people in the community and now they're all mad at me because ho apparently is not life when people are involved. Uh, and so, and so how do you help them unpack like how their behavior is uh, problematic? How do you hold space for the community who has had to deal with these problematic behaviors without throwing the person away because it may not have been this terrible thing. I mean, it's a terrible thing if someone says it's a terrible thing, but like anyone can say it's a terrible thing because white supremacy has socialized us yeah. to throw people away and also swallow the key. Well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I've never seen any of this in real life before. <sighs> the only thing I have to say yep. about this particular topic, A, because it doesn't, I'm certainly not trying to Im implicate. I'm not trying to drag anybody unintentionally. When there are a bunch of stories, that seemed to be not lining up. <laughs> he said, they said, she said, we said, 
I feel like the most important circle work that can happen is like, what is it that we actually believe as a community in terms of values? What is it that we believe? What is it that we think we want to be doing? And how is what's happening aligned or not aligned with those values? That right there can be a multi-day, multi-week circle process. And I don't think it has to be, I mean, it definitely needs to be, um, like that will take stuff in many different directions, including trauma, including physical and right. sexual and spiritual abuse, including accountability, including what does support structures look like, including what does restoration look like, all those things are present. And without the rooting in what are our values and what does it look like when we hold those and how is what the, how is what's been happening aligned or not aligned with that? Like without that stuff at the core, you have a lot of process and get nowhere. Nowhere. And so that's what I wanted to ask you. Have you ever been a part of a circle process or some sort of mediation where there is not going to be a resolve because people are not going to be in the same place and not want the same things? Some people want to resolve. Some, you know, I call them the three R's. Some people want to resolve. Some people want a resolution. And some people just want like restitution, uh, you know, and sometimes those things can't happen. Like, you yeah. know, I, I don't know if you have a different R or a different word, but I feel like I feel like I, I think I go to Adrian Murray Brown's work and I think about I have my own three questions, but one that I really land with hers is what are we not curious enough to question? Mm. Why are we so afraid, you know, if there's strength in numbers, right? Why are we so afraid that if we don't speak up on this dragging? that it's gonna be me next if I don't join in on the bloodletting, you know? And it's just, it's been a very interesting ride. You know, I'm not talking about one person or one subject. I'm talking about every single, I've been in circle processes. And I think that that's why I wanted to talk with you briefly about them because I've been in circle processes for like a charismatic organizer that I really appreciate and love. And I felt like everyone was there to dump on them and on one hand, I felt like she deserved it because there are all these stories, right? Mm. And on the other hand, I'm like, what is our goal here? What if are we doing? apologizes to every single person, are you gonna let that go in the space? I really don't think a lot of people are in the position to move forward in a growth that benefits both, you know, or, or all parties involved. And I think that that's why the stories sometimes continue even past the accountability phase. Sometimes there you can't be accountable for more. <laughs> Your mask is off, nigga. <laughs> I don't know. I just have a lot of thoughts. I think about what I've been doing in this work. I think about the stories. I think about stories in the Asian community. I think about yeah. stories that I have been a part of. I think about stories when mm. you mix uh social groups and niggas just try to have a so uh, a circle process and that may not work because some people don't even know what we're talking about you know right. <laughs> what kind of forever <laughs> like i'm over here y'all over here what's happening and that's what i meant when i was like transformation like are is there a responsibility for black folks and folks of color to like move the needle on what we need to do even amongst one another 
when we are in community with one another and we are seeking justice or we are seeking the need to be loved and seen in a way mm -hmm. and you know and then that impedes the seeking of the justice what because we don't know what justice is unless it's the carceral system but that's a conversation for a different day i just these are the thoughts i'd be oh. running through this is oh. why i be needing naps <laughs> <laughs> that will definitely make you need a nap yeah we definitely i mean this backs up way to the beginning of the conversation visionary fiction narrative strategy we don't actually spend enough time i don't believe we spend enough time primarily because the system has yanked our imaginations from us mm. or ha have have made it so that imagination is dangerous like our imaginations become dangerous we have very little imagination about what the world that we want looks like so to your point about circle processes that aren't going anywhere <laughs> I got about 11 that I'm aware of, and I only got 10 figures. <laughs> Without the stage where it's like, what are our values and what does it look like when we are living in alignment with them? Without the, that like visionary, what is coming? What do we want this to look like work? The best we can do is, I think you said is like restore things to what they were like before. But if what we had before was bad. Baby, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm glad I'm in community with people who are brave enough to examine it or be like, are, is, this, is this the world? Did we move forward? Did we cancel everyone? And now the revolution is here and ain't no one here to fight with us alongside of us. Three people over here, like, and they're your friends, and then like, bitch, you didn't know how to fight this whole time that you was fighting everybody. <laughs> I appreciate Fanya's thinking about like re restoration is one thing, and transformation is like the next thing. Mm. Sometimes we do need restoration. It might not even be possible to get transformation without restoration. Mm. But restoration is getting us back to where we were before. And transformation is taking us to where we're going. That's a word. I need to write that down. Luana said, imagination outside of trying to survive horrific conditions or as a result of it. Mm. I like when our friends watch us. It's like voyeurism. Hey, I'm going to get on my phone. <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about Let me take a deep breath. Can we do a grounding exercise? That was a heavy ass, for me, it was a heavy ass topic. You are not wrong. Okay, I was just no, not sure. And I never I never need to be grounded. I'm like, I'm fine, I'm floating, I'm fine. Um, but if we could do a grounding exercise, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm down to lead it. You do it, because <laughs> yeah. I don't ground. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yes. Wait, let me put my feet on the floor. Hold on. That's you know, exactly I'm, I'm tall, but short. Okay. <laughs> That's the first thing. You can put your feet on the floor. You can keep your eyes open. Okay. Close them if that feels safe or good. Check in with wherever your breath is. It might be shallow. It might be deep. Given the conversation we're having, it was probably it's probably like up in the upper chest. But wherever it is, just notice it. 
See if you can slow it down. As you breathe, see if you can slow it down just a little more. Check in with your shoulders. Give them a little roll. Notice if they were trying to creep up to your ears. Mm. And if they were, relax them. Let them back go towards the earth. Mm. I think we'll do one practice I learned from Race Mama Nakam and also my grandma. Come on, my mom. My mom. Also all black grandmas ever is just humming. Mm. <laughs> I just told this nigga I was going to hum on his dick. Go ahead. Help me hum. <laughs> Yo, we be knowing. I just said that today. So when I say start, okay, we'll we'll just take a deep inhale, and then we'll just hum for as long as our breath will let us go. Okay, and then we'll take another inhale. We'll hum, and then we'll come back. Okay. All right. So inhale. Hmm. Mm. 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 Are right, you go first and I'll follow you this time. Okay. I'm going to take a deep breath. Yeah. I be feeling so meta. That shit was musical. Oh, well, thank you. I feel like when you take the time, you know, I used to make fun of niggas who take deep breaths. But when you take the time to be inside of your body, it is a different look. <laughs> that body be hitting different. <laughs> It also makes the sex better. Listen, I that's why I plan on humming a lot more. Uh, he was like, I didn't know you sang. And I was like, no, I said hum. I definitely said hum. I definitely said hum. Mouth will be full. <laughs> so last question. Last question. I want to know what does love oh, look sorry. like? No, what does love look like for you? A black queer man living in Hotep America. If I hear one more hard tip, say it like that. But I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. But yes, what does love look like? Or what do you want love to look like? If knowing what you know now 
and knowing what you've been introduced to may not match. Mm. What would you want it to look like? I want love to look like I want love to look like expansion. I want love to look like at every possible place, the opportunity to reach beyond what I thought was possible. I want my life the way I understand my life now to be the beginning. Like if I am loved, what I see now is just the beginning of what is actually possible. That's what I want love to look like. That looks like my physical pleasure, what I think the ceiling on my physical pleasure is, I want that to just be the baseline of what is actually possible. What I want intimacy, like what I think intimacy looks like right now, I want to just be the What I think care looks like right now, I want just to be the baseline. I want it to be the foundation on which so much more is possible. I think so much about all these little ones who I'm in relationship with. Like I want them to, I mean, Let's be honest, they are already blowing my mind. <laughs> my friend told me today that her little one, when they get on Zoom, when the little ones get on Zoom, the game that they play, hide and seek. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? On Zoom, you ready? One. <laughs> the fact that I can't understand how they make that fun is what lets me know that they are the future. <laughs> like I want, I want what I know to just be the beginning of what is possible. That's what I want love to look like. Lawrence, Shaman Lords. This was such a spiritual divination in itself. This was honey. Ooh. This was my sweet honey jar. Mm. And sometimes you don't need tools. Sometimes you just need words. And, mm. and those are the petitions. And I just want to say thank you. My last mm. question is a two-pronged question. As you, you know. As you love. I love them. I'm and listening. I'm going to get my tarot deck. Are you going to pull a card? I'm gonna pull a card just while you say why you Okay. Say All right. So the question that I have is a two-pronged question because a bitch loves a two-pronged question. And the first one was, is there anything I didn't ask you that you were surprised I didn't ask you? Or you were like, hold up, bitch, we didn't even get a chance to broach this topic and I want to come back on the show. Well, I just threw that one in there. And then the second part of it is. Who would you like to see on the show? I'm just slowly unwrapping this. I'm, I'm quiet. The thing that hasn't come up that I'm excited to talk about in the future, on the show, off the show, 
is what do post-patriarchy futures look like? Mm. What do they look like? What do they feel like? How do we time travel to them so that we can be energized by them today? Like that to me is like that's that's where men who currently believe what we have today is the best it's gonna get, that's where they get stuck. Our imaginations are this big about what is possible. I just think that's dumb. <laughs> I think it's real dumb. And there are many reasons why it's like that. I definitely believe, well, whatever, patriarchy, white supremacy and patriarchy at the intersection of destroying black male imagination, black men's imagination, like that's all there. I would love to talk about that because I have this body, which gives me one orientation towards post-patriarchal futures. And there are many other types of bodies, all of whom orient to a post-patriarchy world differently. And I think we need all of us to be co-creating what those futures look like in order to get us and our and these young folks like oriented to the right thing. Because I just think patriarchy, patriarchy is obviously hurting all of us and it has extra negative impacts if you are not someone who benefits who appears to benefit from it. So that's the thing that I would love to talk about. Future show, beers and books. <laughs> oh my you God. You teach I'm... me about IPAs. <laughs> I hate IPAs. Thank you, nigga! <laughs> I hate it here too. I feel like every time someone says IPA, I'm like, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then never come back, just I'm out. Boop. Ew. <laughs> And people out here talking about double and triple IPAs. I don't even know what an IPA means. Independently produced asshole. I, I, I don't know. What? Dumb. <laughs> okay. This card. Yes. I have a, someone, Masada, gifted me this deck. And I actually want to learn more about it. That was part of my drag on Wednesday. Is that the lady who did my reading was like, you have all these beautiful tools and you're not doing the work. And that's why you don't use the tools. And I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> this is the best thing about Zoom. I got like real house prod, house size props. Ooh. Didi, will you send just a little energy from your ancestors? Hold on one second. Holding. Y'all ready? <laughs> I know I need to put your cups in the in the dish, dishwasher machine, but y'all ready? Okay. Mm. They had me be accountable. So that way someone else who needs to clean a altar could do so as well. <laughs> Can do it. All right, these ancestors. Oof. What's the card? This is the chief. Do you know about the chief? I want you to explicame claro. The chief 
parallel to the Emperor card in the Rider Waite deck is in this deck, the non-binary, more associated with masculine energy, leader who rules with the queen mother and in their non-binariness, which is way before kings came up, <laughs> before kings as a type of ruler, which is mostly bullshit. The emperor is the one who holds and sets boundaries, even when it's hard, because it is with clear and firm boundaries that flourishing can happen. You need a container in order for the flourishing to happen because if it's not contained, it will just leak out everywhere. I got the queen mother card on Wednesday too. I just tagged fire. I said, you can't not complete a shit. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny because that's my question that I had asked them and I know that they're not going to answer me because I out here funny with them I bought curry goat I'm going to serve them after I clean the altar Good. but that was my question all week is like if I take care of myself and I begin to like mm-hmm I've noticed, and you know, this happens, that everyone's like, well, what about me? And I'm like, wow, this whole time I've been about y'all, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm, I wanna do the what about me and I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm so sorry. And it makes me sad. Cause I'm like, well, maybe I should just apologize and go back to the what about shoes. And like, that's the best way that we were thriving together was when I was making sure that it was all about making sure you're happy. And this is romantic, this is platonic, this is familial, mm. this is a lot. And I need to focus on my boundaries. And even if they feel foreign to me and I'm like, that's not a boundary, that's like me being a bitch or that's me being, it, that's the answer. And I sometimes be like, did we just leave the answer to my life to a card? And yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we did, except we know these ancestors out here. Yeah. Been out here. We just need, the cards are our way to pay attention to what they have been trying to say. <sighs> Lawrence, you are such a be beautiful spirited person. And I'm so grateful. I want to not even look at you. I want to look at, I'm looking at your picture on the Zoom. I want to look at you on the camera. Can you see my eyes now? I can see your eyes. I'm looking at them. I just want to say, this feels so weird because I feel like I'm looking in the red beam of light. But I just want to say, mm. this experience with you exceeded an agenda that I didn't come up with, exceeded any expectations that I might've had about what would our first time actually having an intentional space and conversation and who would have thought it would be in the midst of a pandemic. Bitches is out here examining what post-trauma looks like uh, in the midst of trauma. In the midst of trauma. 
And I just want to say thank you. I'm not sure I could have done this without like having such an open vessel be like, and also, yes, I am, and creating container. Mm. You are so welcome. And I cannot tell you, I have been waiting to hear my esteemed colleague. You're like, if you don't want to do the show anymore, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're my friend. <laughs> I'm glad we did this. Thank you so much. I also, we have at least four conversations to have. <laughs> I'm not going to count them. You're not going to count them? You I'm wrote a, them I'm, down. I feel I'm like a, you had your pen handy. I'm going to definitely send you a picture of this post-it. Can you done. please? Thank you. Like, that, that's our place marker. That's our bookmark. Great. Lawrence, thank you so much for being on this 2003rd episode for the 9-9 episode of the full set. The full and set. Honored. Honored. I just can't. I, I'm going to wrap my head around this a few more times this month. That's right. And I appreciate you so much. And I can't wait to chat with you off the line. Thank you. I love you. You know what? I'm going to accept that. <laughs> because I feel like the cards being pulled from me is all about love. And it's all about retribution. It's all about restoration. Mm. And I feel LaShawn Pace sang my song. I know I've been changed. Mm. Okay. And so thank you so much for being on this episode with me. I want to see that post-it note. I love you too. Thank you. And I hope that you have the most amazing evening. I thank all the people who joined us too, hey. but I love you the most. <laughs> thank you. I hope y'all have a good night y'all. Bye.